Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I just wanted to make sure that I cast my vote. I really think it's an important time to uh, get my opinions out there, right? I think a lot of people feel strongly about things, and hopefully you're showing up today. It's it's a privilege for me to vote. Um, not everyone gets to do it, and um, I think it's just it's what we need to do. I am concerned. I'm a praying woman, so I am praying hard on democracy because I feel like it's at risk. I think it's important that we have different views and we have different ideas presented. But to me, people are getting confused with what is truth and what isn't. Everybody's votes counts and makes a difference. So I'm praying my vote today will do that. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Election day is over, but by the time you hear this episode, many results will still be trickling in. Some races have been called, but there are still so many across the Bay and really across the whole country where votes are still being counted right now. And that'll probably be the case for both local and national results for a while. So today on our show, we're capturing the mood of Election Day 2022. You'll hear about how young people are feeling about this election. We'll take you inside the KQED newsroom. And we'll talk about the big thing hanging over all of this, threats to democracy as we know it. Stay with us. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. 
If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. You know, just thinking about different ways to cover the election and thinking about maybe voices that are underrepresented. My mind kind of went to young people, you know, people who were just getting to vote for the first time. My name is Jessica Carissa. I'm an intern with the California Report magazine, and I live in San Jose. I feel like I'm now at an age where I'm kind of aging out of that optimism that I might have had as a young person gaining all of these rights and being able to be politically and civically engaged. But I'm still kind of one foot in, one foot out, you know? And so I was really curious to know how young people were feeling, especially given the fact that they'd had such a crazy few years that I still struggle to wrap my head around. What did you find? I found that, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic and just a barrage of negative news has really taken its toll on young people. And from the students that I spoke to, it seems like a lot of their peers are just not really engaged. They're really focusing on the day-to-day of getting by, whether that's cost of living, violence in their communities, the housing crisis. Voting is really the last thing on a lot of their minds, they're, they're pretty disillusioned. So I talked to two young students, Elvira Aceves from San Bernardino. I turned 18 about a year ago. And Kennedy McIntyre from Sacramento. Um, the first time I voted was actually yesterday. And they're both part of this program called California Freedom Summer, uh, which basically sends them back to their... Uh, hometowns to do voter registration. And we had folks in Central Valley, we had folks in the Bay, we had folks in the Inland Empire, we had folks. Elvira Seves went to her high school and she was just making the case to her former peers that like, hey, you need to get involved. I just feel like after um, COVID and after everything that we've been seeing in the news, um, just having the opportunity to make a difference is important. You know, one thing she told me that she likes to remind them is, you know, if voting didn't matter, then like, why have so many efforts been spent, like historically to like not allow people to vote? But even for her, it was really a shock to see just that gap between her and her peers. But we can't blame them because they had such a, such a traumatic past couple of years. I mean, what did she tell you about what she was hearing from her peers and how did she sort of take that? One thing that came up a lot was her peers not feeling like they had any sort of safe spaces in their neighborhoods. Um, When she asked them, where do you go for fun? You know, a very simple question. A lot of them couldn't name a place in their community. Because here in the city that we live in, it's not safe enough to be able to go out. We have like one mall and it's really small and we have um, 
one movie theater and a couple of restaurants, but it's not like these like mega malls that are in the neighboring cities. And so she was trying to tell them, well, you know, these are issues that can be solved at the local level. If you know who's running in your city council and your city government, these are people you can touch. These are people you can reach who can actually make that difference. One of the biggest surprises that that I faced was students not really wanting to vote unless it was a presidential election. One of the students I talked to was Kennedy McIntyre from Sacramento. She's 18 years old. She just turned 18 very recently, actually. And one thing she brought up was, especially with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, for Sacramento specifically, she mentioned also, like, the housing crisis is a huge thing. Especially after Roe v. Wade, it was more more pessimistic with um, faith in government and our political system. When you think about the feeling of being an adult at 18 and, like, the future of what you know, the world has in store for you, if you're going into that feeling like, oh, I'm not even going to have the health care I deserve, or I'm not even going to be safe in my classroom. So it seems we're backsliding almost. So this idea of, well, is voting worth it? Is participating in our government worth it? A young 18-year-old shouldn't feel that way. You know, they they might feel like, yeah, it's a brave new world, new frontier, don't know what's happening, going to happen next, which can be scary, but which can also be exciting. But to feel like we're regressing, to feel like people older than you had more opportunities than you is, is really unfortunate. That said, Elvira and Kennedy are examples of young people who are actually very engaged. What's getting them... Uh, and their peers mobilized. For them specifically, you know, I think they, something clicked with them. You know, Elvira's told me she's like a huge like American history nerd, you know, and learning about how, you know, the country has evolved over time, I think is something that makes her feel empowered to also be the change. Well, I come from an immigrant background, so um, just seeing their struggles, it just really pushed me towards this area of interest because I can help progress our situation in a way where we're more informed because, you know, being informed really helps people protect themselves. I asked them both about voting for the first time and what that felt like for them, and they both said the word, you know, empowered. I think we definitely were able to provide reassurance, especially because, like, like talking to high school students, we are around their age. And just the idea of, like, um, the bottom-up approach. Like, we can't start from the highest form of government. We have to start locally. I'm just curious, when you think about Elvira and Kennedy, how does it compare with your first time voting in an election 10 years ago, like what feels similar or what feels different to you? I think the stakes are different. I think when I was voting, there were a lot of things I didn't have to worry about, (laughs) you know? There were a lot of things I was concerned about and there were a lot of things I wanted to push for, but there were a lot of things I could take for granted that students, young people now can't take for granted. You know, when I was voting, it was around Obama's second term, and that was different energy from Obama's first term, of course, but it still felt like, wow, like we've really pushed open one door. What else can we do? And I think for these kids, you know, or for these young people, rather, you know, they're pushing a heavier door, but I feel like there's still that energy of them 
pushing a door, you know, and like the excitement of like what could be behind that door. Jessica, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It is election night. We're here at KQED. We're about to head down to the newsroom where there's going to be an election night meeting, huddle thing. Hopefully some pizza because I am hungry. And yeah, we're about to head down. Let's go. Um, so we are here in the newsroom. I have pizza in my hand. Thank God. <laughs> We're a few minutes away from a newsroom stand-up where everyone's going to talk about what they're doing today for the election. I'm going to hold up this laptop on my shoulder. I'll hold up the laptop. Okay. Actually, it's going to be Guy and Ethan. So I'm going to hold up this uh, computer so folks on Zoom can see. All right. So uh, this, is our la- this is our check-in before the big event. Uh, Guy, do you want to give a rundown of um, what's left or anything else we have in these remaining moments? Uh, Sure. So first, it's nice to see so many people in person. Um, And yeah, so we have our live vlog has officially started. So we have that uh, going. Joe will be manning that tonight uh, with a three-person team with David and Emma Silvers. Um, We have reporters in the fields who are going to be communicating through Otis, uh, David and myself when they're filing. Uh, the deadline for the cut and scripts for the morning is 11 o'clock, so get your scripts and audio in. Um, and then we have a, I'll do a TikTok and Instagram live featuring some of you at the very end. So. Uh, I, I wanted to say just a quick word, which is that I started at KQED in July of 2016. And so my first sort of like big memory was election <laughs> night of 2016, oh. November 2016. So it also was a moment which sort of like proved to me that KQED was a, a place that I wanted to be at because it was, there was a lot of energy and excitement and then there was also a lot of sort of like people leaning on each other and supporting each other and really, it was really powerful, I, I felt. And so it's, it, I just wanna say it's really nice I know it's like hard, we're, we're, we, uh, there are COVID tests right here, but I think it's really nice that we're all back in the same room and able to shout and do all those things. So um, shout, share numbers, let's do it. Um, and, and I do want to just say thanks to everyone. Like, it's, guy, you're standing here sharing, but you've built a ton of this stuff and just all of y'all done incredible work. So. All right, um, so we are here at Maurice's desk. It is 6.12 p.m. Marisa, can you just tell me what you are up to today? Tonight, Scott and I will be hosting two hours and 20 minutes of our coverage. Once we go on air, it's kind of like a free-for-all. Like, you can plan as much as you want, but it doesn't really matter until, you know, once you get in there and see what the guests are saying and obviously what the election results are. I feel like as a politics and government correspondent, you're spending like months preparing for this day. (laughs) I'm curious how you're feeling today. I feel really calm because we have spent months preparing and like 
in a weird way like our job is done until the polls close so like you kind of have to be chill about it basically like this is why I've learned that like I need to get a good workout on in on election day like I just like spent some time like decluttering my kids room just something that like made me feel in control of the world you know because like like I said like once the polls close like a obviously we have no control of the results and b you know, live, like when you're broadcasting live and kind of covering breaking events, you just have to sort of let go a little bit. Yeah. Um, what is the temperature of this election for you? Like, in the grand scheme of other elections you've covered, like, where does this one fit right now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like 2016 was such a, a shock in so many ways that I think since then I've just, like, learned, learned to lower my expectations. And also, like, we probably won't know a lot tonight. I mean, I think on a state level, we'll have a pretty clear picture of some of those races and the propositions. Um, but I think the biggest question mark, of course, is control of Congress. And like that's something we'll be following in the f- coming days. So I almost feel like this is a little bit less nerve wracking than previous elections because we just know that it's going to take a couple of days. So like you're watching the early results and you, you can't really make heads or tails of most of them because so much is going to change in the coming hours and days or maybe weeks. I mean, I was thinking back to two years ago, like, remember how long it took to call the presidential election oh officially? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I think we've all gotten better as reporters at just sort of knowing that, that what we're not going to know. Yeah, just being a little bit less like, oh, this is the do or die day. Um, so, yeah, I'm mostly just excited to be here and see all my colleagues in person. And, yeah. you know, like I said, let's do some democracy, people. Breaking news. Oh. <gasps> Gavin Newsom is governor of California. I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable making a call. No, but the congressional races are interesting. It looks they're like it, it's looking like I, I would say if there's a red wave, it's feeling more like a ripple at this point. But it's like 840. So, you know, you're breathing. You're breathing. You just got off the air. We did 20 minutes. It went great. <laughs> we're good. We're good. What do we know now that we didn't know an hour ago? So we know that it looks like all the ballot measures are tracking with public opinion polls. So like Prop 1 is winning, 26 and 27, the gambling ones are going down in flames. Um, Most of them, like I said, are like pretty much in line with kind of expectations. I think the congressional races are going to be the fun stuff. Um, The first L.A. results came back. And I know this is a local podcast. However, everyone's watching that race um, and it's like neck and neck. So I think it's going to be fascinating. Well, what do we what do you think we'll be waiting on? for the rest of the week? Potentially the Senate. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of the... Like Oakland mayor's race, maybe? Sure, yeah. Locally, yes. I think um, the mayor's races, like San Jose is looking super close. So, like, that could be one that takes a while. Um, And then, you know, some of the local ballot measures. Cool. Bye, Marisa. Thank you. All right. Well, it is 10:34. Um I just ate like five starbursts to keep me awake. <laughs> but we have one more conversation. We're going to go down and talk to Otis Taylor Jr., managing editor of KQED, just to kind of close out the night, see what he's up to. We're talking to Otis because he's sort of leading 
uh, or he's editing a lot of the coverage happening tonight. Um, he's editing all the reporters out in the field. He's also been editing a lot of our coverage here at KQED on extremism. And so we thought he might be the perfect person to talk about this stuff with. So let's go do it. Yeah, come in, come in. That's just the people that voted today. No, I'm, I'll, I'll probably have to edit that. Okay, cool. Thank you. Goodbye. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> uh, my name is Otis Taylor, Otis R. Taylor Jr. I'm the managing editor of news at KQED. I'm curious how you've been feeling about this evening leading up to it and just how you're feeling right now i was actually quite concerned um about this country and i I still am i just really think we're at a a precipice right we're at uh, a point where this country um, could either descend further into madness into chaos or we could have a realization that we're um, we're better than um, the constant um, onslaught of fear mongering and hate that we're hearing and seeing. The fact remains that seventy five people who deny the twenty twenty presidential election were elected tonight. And I can't feel okay with that because we have to understand that there are facts and there is truth. And there are people who will deny that, uh, the facts, the truth, um, just to get one over, just to um, sow more chaos um, in our national discourse. I feel that um, no matter what happens tonight, we're going to continue to have uh, Republicans who see their path forward in the party and with a, a large subsection of voters in this country um, with denying elections um, and just pledging fealty to uh, the former president. I mean, we've been, you know, covering here at KQED, Otis, all these local races, uh, these statewide propositions, these local ballot measures. And of course, all of those matter. We know that more than anyone. But there is this sort of like larger threat looming over all of that and over sort of the way our elections work, right? How are you sort of thinking about that? in the context of like this election and also like these local races, you know, we tell people it's important to vote, but also I feel like this election has showed us more than anything that democracy is fragile. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you said it best, the fragility, our local elections, um, we're not dealing with so much of that, but if you go to say the far East Bay, um, Contra Costa County, you go to Vallejo, where you have a police union that just ran out it's the city's first black chief or you have Contra Costa County where you have a sheriff who is 
he has this adversarial relationship with the media and the truth. But you have this, uh, you know, this authoritarian narrative that's taking hold. And it's, it's only going to grow because the former president more than likely is going to run again. And part of, of course, that context, and I think that fear that you're talking about is that this is our first big election since January 6th, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think our role should be and like what is our role as the Bay Area, as a region in moments like this? Um, Well, thank you. I can take this opportunity to plug our um, nascent extremism desk that we've formed here at KQED. Um, our role is, is to call out extremism full stop. What happened to Paul Pelosi, this vicious attack, the conspiracy theories almost immediately went viral. A man got beat in his home with a hammer and you're trying to create some story about it to deflect from what it really was. You have an assailant who really believed some of these theories that are out there. And um, I feel that my role in this organization is to um, prepare us for um, really responding to these extremist activities. It, it, it's not going to stop. We are in this the Bay Area. We think it's so progressive. And we have to realize that uh, we have more than 45 militia groups in California alone, and many of them are in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to respond to it, then who will? Otis, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I really appreciate it. How much longer are you going to be here in this building, you think? Until mm, the lights go turn out. I'll be the last one here. <laughs> <laughs> That's facts. Like, yeah. Hopefully, they go out soon. Uh, all right. Thank you, Otis. Alleg, we'll let you take that. Uh, yeah, this is another one. <laughs> Thank timing. you. Thank you. That was KQED managing editor Otis Taylor Jr. Thanks as well to KQED political correspondent Marisa Lagos and California Report magazine intern Jessica Carissa. All those voters you heard at the top of this episode were interviewed by my colleague Sarah Hosseini. They were Paul Irvin, Brittany Badowski, Rose Faharin, Rolanda Cunningham, Carolyn Hinch, and Jackie Parsons Singleton. You can follow election results for local and statewide races on our site. That's kqed.org slash elections slash results. This episode of The Bay was made by producer Maria Esquinka, senior editor Alan Montesilio, and me. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and just like that, election day is over. Talk to you next time. The yeah. Bay, can I just say The Bay, my my favorite podcast. Please subscribe. As, as, please subscribe as soon as you can, Flattery immediately. You <laughs> Guys trying to get more. Uh, He's trying to be on the show. <laughs>
Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 